Welcome to QAV. This is, uh, I don't know, sort of a weird episode. <laughs> Special edition. Yeah. Uh, Tony and I are in his apartment in uh, Brisbane. He's up here for a few days for the QAV dinner and other things. Uh, we're recording this bit of it. There may, I don't know if this will be different bits. Anyway, for the record, this bit we're recording on the afternoon of Friday, the 27th of May. Um and I think I've got to turn the microphone around this way, I think. Uh, so, uh, how are you, TK? Good. Where Good. have you... Tell us, tell everyone where you've been, what you've been doing. Drove up from Sydney on Sunday, stayed at a friend's place at Oxley Island. I've got a, like a, a converted boat shed that we, we could use, which was good. Very nice on the Manning River, but very, very wet. We got bogged. I kind of got bogged. Really? Yeah, because it's like a farm. So we drove in. Oh, right. And just off the, just kind of wheel ruts going in. And then we turned off onto the grass and uh, started to slide. And I just thought, okay, we'll leave the car there. It's on a bit of a slope. Worst case is we'll come out tomorrow and we'll roll you on the slope. <laughs> Came out the next day. It just sunk in the mud. <laughs> so what'd you do? Well, we tried to get it ourselves, couldn't do it. Um, the people we were staying with had a ute, four-wheel drive ute, couldn't pull it out, couldn't tow it out. What car are you driving? The Merc, the um, all-wheel drive Merc. It's just spun its wheels and dug deeper. What's the point of a four-wheel drive if yeah. you Merc if it won't get you out of some mud? Hmm. Anyway, so lucky it was a farm, they had a tractor, they went and got the tractor and towed us out. So that was, that was fun. Then drove up to the Gold Coast and man there was so much rain around on the weekend and Monday, Tuesday uh, got to the Gold Coast went to a horse sale the Magic Millions broodmare sale was on and a friend of ours the guy I was travelling with had a horse that sold on Monday which was a good outcome for them uh, a horse called She's Ideal and uh, so it was actually quite interesting going to the broodmare sales it's a very very toppy market which is interesting toppy yeah, lots of high prices, record prices being set. I thought that meant everyone was wearing top hats. No. So that's how I imagine a horse sale is, is people are wearing top hats well, and tails. And quite the reverse, actually. Everyone's, really? yeah, they're all farmers and right. you know, horse people. So uh, a few few wankers in R.M. Williams. <laughs> hey, I'm wearing <laughs> R.M. Williams boots. Oh, okay, sorry. Jeez. You, you know, what do they call them? More hat than cows or something is the same. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so a few of those, but mainly, yeah, pretty down-to-earth people. Um, uh, and some very rich people there as well. Jerry Harvey was there. Um, anyway, so yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, horse sold for $4 million. set the record, $4.2 million. Um, it's usually a sign that the economy's doing so well it's going to come off. So a bit of talk around there about how interest rates would affect the horse market and I guess everything else, the share market and the economy. Uh, and some people were holding back, waiting for a crash to come in the broodmare, broodmare market in the next couple of years. Anyway, we'll see. So that was really interesting, spending a day there. And then we played golf a couple of days, even though it was really, really muddy. Um, there was the rain had stopped so we could go and play, so that was good. Do you have special like uh, shoes with pleats or something on them for well you play spike you play in spikes spikes yeah yeah, yeah right. definitely but the, my golf shoes are trashed after, this, after the mud yeah yeah 
but that was good. And then uh, lots of, um, you know, Negronis and dinner at night. <laughs> Drunk Facebook posting. Drunk Facebook posting, yeah. yeah. We're staying in a nice place, the sub penthouse at um, the Wave on the Gold Coast, which we've stayed at before and loved. Right. Looking over Broad Beach, and it was just so nice. At one o'clock last night, didn't want to leave. That's nice. Yeah. So I bought up a nice bottle of scotch, and I was sitting out there, and Roddy and Jeff, I was travelling with, went to bed, and I um, just kicked on. Oh, that's nice. Well, let's talk about some investing stuff. Uh, nothing's going on in investing. It's all been quiet out there the last couple well, of I weeks. I thought that's why we should get together today and <laughs> answer a few questions. Um, you know, I, I would start, I've been thinking about, you know, Buffett's old thing about circle of competence. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we there's a lot of people in investing and even in our community, people that know a lot about this business or that sector or this industry Mm -hmm. and they go deep on Mm -hmm. what businesses are doing and I was thinking really what I think I want my circle of competence to be is just QAV Mm -hmm. just that's it no I agree there's a limited amount I started reading the paperwork for the AFSL uh, thing the other day yeah during the week I thought, finally, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to start reading this. Oh, my God. Like, it's so boring. <laughs> I know I need to do it, but I was like, oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just like, uh, that's that's it. Like, I just want to know how to do the process well. Mm. And I think if I focus on that as just my circle of competence, mm. that should be enough for a while. You know? I agree. It's my circle of competence too. I mean, Well, it's not though. You know a lot of stuff because this is where I was at. I was thinking, I'm never going to know all the stuff that Tony knows about this business and that industry and all that. And, that a, lot, and a lot of our members do too. But that's just experience. That's just yeah, like, I know. It's part been investing of it, yeah. for 30 years and, and there's 2,000 stocks on the ASX and some of them have been there the whole 30 years. So. Yeah. You brush up against them enough times, you get to know a little bit about them. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the analogy is like, uh, you know, I breed horses, but outsource it and all that. But spending time with the people who run the studs and all that, there's a lot going on which you only learn through that kind of solo of experience. Yeah. <clears throat> but I can still breed and trade horses. Right. It's the same sort of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, I know how to, I know how to invest in the share market using the QAV method, but I don't have to know the ins and outs of iron ore mining or each particular silo. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's good. Because I think, I mean, you know, it's been three years now, and I I think I understand the basics of QAV relatively well, but I've got a lot more to learn. But it's like, that's it. I just want to be really good at running the process. And I think that's all I need to be able to do. I don't think I need to know anything else. You will, though. You'll pick it up. Oh, I'm sure I will learn stuff, but I don't. Yeah, I just want to. I don't feel the pressure to to have yeah, okay. to be able to yep. speak eloquently about I don't know interest rates and how they work, or the RBA, or blah blah blah. You know? Yeah, and, and also the circle of competence. I think is not just around QAV, but it's around the sections of the market that QAV focus on. So, you know, do I know much about Bitcoin? Do I know much about growth stocks? Yeah, a little bit, but it's not my circle of competence. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk about Bitcoin. They're banned. Um, election. We had an election, Tony. I don't know if you noticed. I don't know if you heard this while you've been uh, <laughs> yeah. vacationing, but there was an election. Yeah. 
Labor Party is uh, going to form government of one sort or another, majority or minority. Um, it's funny, on the Zoom call that we had last night, Kane was, you know, I was asking Kane how his jewellery business was going in Sydney, and he said, That's, for some reason, retail drops off for a few weeks before an election. He said, I don't really know why, but people just... He said somebody in real estate told him the same thing happens. Like, people just wow. stop buying property uh, before an election. Um, how do you think this election result uh, is going to impact on uh, QAV and investing? Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I knew that. I just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go back and have a look at all the elections and what the share market's done. It's just powered on as normal. It's not... It's not it's not like the, uh, you know, all the stockbrokers have their hands on the button on the Monday <laughs> after the election to, <clears throat> to swap all their portfolios. Now, right. I mean, there are some people out there who will say things like, well, it's a Labor government that will favour things like healthcare stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there might be an increase in Medicare, which will favour medical stocks. Uh, there might be more tightening on coal miners or something like that. But... That's all speculation. Until you, until you know what's going to happen, what's mm. being legislated, you can't really act on it. And Albo really went into this election um, very um, boldly, promising next to nothing. Mm. So <laughs> it's Policy not like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I read an article uh, sometime over, since the election. Some guy was saying. You know, the, the major parties in Australia have learned over the last few years that the worst thing that you can do is have any policies going into an election. Correct. And he said that's actually not a bad thing, really, because what we know, and I talked about this in the Psychopath book, is that, you know, politicians very rarely live up to their election, their campaign <laughs> promises anyway. Right. So what does it matter if they don't make any? It's, mm. <laughs> it's just, mm. they're not going to do it. doesn't matter. But like I know with the last federal election, Labor were pushing this uh, Frank- franking changes, the reform. Changes, yeah. yeah. And they learned the lesson from that. This yes. time they didn't put that forward. There's no carbon tax. There was no, maybe a little bit stricter sort of hitting our imaginary 2050 uh, <laughs> reduction goals, but, you know, okay. Yeah, it's more policy election, policy light. It's, and the main policy is I'm, I'm not the other guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was same as Biden, right? It was like, yeah, yeah I'm not that guy. So. Yeah, exactly. And look, the, another thing, the other side of that coin is for the last, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, the governments have, have gone, gone into elections with policies and then... The, game has just changed. GFC comes along, COVID comes along, they react. Yeah. So, like, the policies get thrown out of the window. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, SEQ, Tony, um, this is one of these, it was a Josephine and now it's not, or is it? And is it a falling knife questions? Yeah. Um, somebody asked. So, SEQ was a Josephine. Then it went back up above the end of month price. But somebody on Facebook asked the question, is it a falling knife? And I said, look, you know, when I think falling knife, I think of a chart that goes from high left down to low right. Mm -hmm. And this goes from low left to high right. Mm -hmm. But then it did start coming off. And then I pulled up your the transcript from I think last week or the last episode that we did and you were talking again about the second, second byline. byline yeah. Now the second byline for this for SEQ would be up here I so think, it wouldn't right. be a buy on that basis yet right yeah. so yeah. even though the price ticked up back above the end of month you would wait for it to cross the second byline 
Um, I would, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but <clears throat> it's a good question. If it's above, if it's above the closing price at the end of the month, it's way above its sell price at this stage. Mm. Yeah, I think you could probably buy it, but um, I would probably wait until it had it crossed the line created by H1 and H2. It's way above its buy line. It's way above its sell line. Um, but, uh, yeah. And the graph is going sideways slightly down. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd... Since its peak. Yeah, I yeah. probably would wait. Right. Let's get a big... Let's get an upswing going and a trend established. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. reaffirming the second byline. Mm-hmm. Stephen Mab, Chairman Mab, um, uh, who I hear was um, saying nice things about you uh, oh, nice. Thank uh, you, at Steve. the ASA conference down in Melbourne this week. Little Birdie told me. I don't believe he said it on stage, unfortunately, uh-huh. but just to QAV members, he said nice things. Um, he sent us an article. Um, there's a study by Bain & Co. that found that a dis- disproportionate number of companies which maintained profitable growth were one found led two had a founder on the board of directors or three still adhered to the founders principles and operating methods founder alignment with shareholders deep knowledge of the business and industry and a long-term mindset can contribute to outperformance by founder led companies and he said he just said yeah that sort of reflects the scoring in QAV good to see Bain sort of yeah Reaffirming that as an important metric. Yeah, it's, it's. I think there's been other research prior to that on it, which um, yeah, I would have read years ago. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think Steve was also saying that in Stock Doctor you weren't necessarily seeing if there was a large ownership um, of directors in the in the company stock because they they could have it through trusts or companies or, or um, super funds or whatever and he was picking it up in yahoo finance and other areas yeah it was with ptl i sent his comments to victor de pasquale at stock doctor who did send me a reply and basically saying yeah yahoo finances data is out of date oh. and uh that their data is the right data and all the okay. other data you shouldn't trust. Okay. Be careful what you trust or okay. something. I, I, I haven't had a chance to <clears throat> forward that on to you or Stephen okay. yet, but I will do that. Yeah, but it's a good point. It's, I mean, and you think about why that's the case. I mean, talking about circle of competence, if you've built a business up from scratch to the stage where it can be listed, you know a lot about that industry, a lot about what makes that business tick. And then you, you would have a long-term mentality about investing and running the business yeah as opposed to someone you've hired who doesn't have skin in the game yeah who's you know going to probably try and run the company for short-term kpis that they've been told to manage the business by yeah yeah and they're there usually on a three-year stint as a ceo three yeah. to five years yeah i think the average lifespan of a ceo in australia is like four years for yeah. the company yeah yeah so they're in for short-term mm-hmm. gain mm-hmm. yeah and they're often employed too, or they've been given the mandate to turn around the company or expand the company or whatever. So yeah, they've, they've got um, a specific job and a short time to do it. Whereas mm-hmm. a founder is more likely to say, okay, well, we need to move here, but we can take five years to get there. Yeah. Yeah. NHC had a massive drop yesterday. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? <laughs> Only because you raised it with me. Oh my god! I've been watching the and then the it, market. it bounced back. So it's still down, I think, but not as far down as it was. Um, I didn't um, 
understand why, but somebody on Facebook said something about forecasts. So there was, um, I looked it up, there was a, well, they came out with a quarterly report and said that they'd been affected by two things, or the business has been affected by two things, flooding, which I can testify to, driving, <laughs> driving through New South Wales, uh, and uh, not, not being able to find enough workers because of COVID. Right. However, they, they also said that they, they increased their profit forecast by, I think, 4%. Right. Yeah. So... The, the negatives was, was um, picked up on quickly, but I think people are just realising it's a bit of a blip. That's, you know. Right. Well, my question was going to be, <laughs> is it a bad new cell? Because, and I know you've been, you know, uh, tightening the belt on mm-hmm. what we classify <laughs> as bad new cells uh, recently, because yeah. you know, <laughs> we tend to go, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's raining. That's a bad news cell. We tend to... Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but when, when these sort of forecasts come out and they say, well, we're not going to hit this and this happened, does that play into a bad news cell still? I think it, I think it does if it's really bad news. Like if uh, if, yeah, if NHC had come out and said there was a mine collapse and 10 people died and we're going to have to shut a mine for six months and investigate what went wrong, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's a material change to the business. Right. But just coming out and saying it's been raining and... Uh, we can't find some employees because of COVID. Employees because of COVID. Well, the share price dropped by twelve percent. So yeah. somebody thought that was bad news. Yeah, and it's and it come back today. It is bad news, but is it enough to sell the, the share? No, I don't think so. Right. So how do we tell though when you know they come out with something that's bad news mm-hmm. by some measure? Mm-hmm. Um, the share price drops massively. Mm-hmm. Um, well, twelve percent isn't that massive, really. You think it is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is. No. In, in two hours, yeah, I think it is. It's uh, rapid. It's <laughs> not massive. No. I don't okay. Think so. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, but but okay. So first of all, don't panic if you see a share price dropping like like ten percent in two hours. Just grab your towel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and be a muscle relaxant. <laughs> um, and, but, but find out what, it's, what the reasoning is and then ask yourself the question, is that, is that really the end of the world for this company? Or right. Not? Yeah. Right. Because oftentimes, like when we've had, I think I, I can think of one case of bad news sell based on results, and that was Kathmandu. And yeah. it was so bad, the CEO resigned on the same day. So... Right, which was our which was our normal bad news cell. Right? Yeah, CEOs falling on their sword. Yeah, it's pretty bad, um, and that was because of a of a material miss of the of the profit forecast. Right. Mm. Well, NHC has recovered a bit, but it's still quite a ways away from where it was. Um, so I know the market hasn't. Uh, Reacted positively to that. Well, you wouldn't expect it to react positively to it, though, would you, really? Well. It's come out and said they've got some problems. for the, And, like, is it going to flood for the rest of the year? Well, I hope not, but it shouldn't. Maybe okay. it will, but it shouldn't. Okay. And I'll solve their employee problems. The, the borders are opening up, so. Okay. Yeah. So it is bad news, but not bad enough news. Well, just, I mean, I think every business and, and you know, people out there who work in businesses or who run businesses will know you'll have right. Speed humps. Yeah. Speed bumps. So that's a speed bump, not bad news. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I can't put any more science on it than that. Right. What about the Yow uh, trading halt? Did you read up on that at all? I did. 
so I, and I own both NHC and YAL, hmm. and I've been buying into YAL. I sold Rio shares a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, hmm. um, and I've been slowly buying back. And I went to cash with those proceeds and go straight back to back into buying something because everything was a Josephine. Hmm. Started buying YAL at the end of last week and been doing it a little bit this week. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm familiar with it. Let me just, I'm trying to just get my facts straight in my head. So the story that I wanted to tell today was I actually hesitated in buying Yang Cole last week before I bought it, but it was the top thing on the share list, on that buy list. And I bought it because of that. But I've had experience with YAL many years ago when it was a good enough ADT on the way in, but then everything just dried up on the way out. How does that work? Because it's got two or three big companies who I think between them have about 65% of the shares. Right. And if there's no one else trading, they're not trading. It's actually the ADT can be a little bit misleading. Can evaporate. Yeah, it can evaporate. Hmm. <clears throat> so I was... I was tossing up whether or not to do it and I decided just to buy and slowly now it's in the trading halt what's what it looks like it's happening and we don't know this is just rumor and speculation at the moment is that what the big I think there's three shareholdings the bigger of those three is thinking of lobbing a bid for the company the rumor is it's going to be less than the current share price how does that work? Well, exactly. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be a very short takeover. Why would thought. anyone sell their shares at 20% less than the current price? Because the, one of the minor companies who still owns a fair bit of stock, say 10 to 20% of stock, may have to offer that discount to, to move that block. So if there's a block trade, oh, okay. it's called block trades, and you might read about them occasionally in the AFR, but if, if someone has a 10% shareholding in a company, They'll generally approach a number of different banks or stockbrokers to sell it for them in one trade overnight when the market's shut. Right. And to get that much stock away, they normally have to offer a discount. 20% sounds like yeah, a big discount. A lot, yeah. And if you have a series of blockchain uh, block trades in a row, is that a blockchain? <laughs> yeah. And does it become crypto then? Can we NFT it? Kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, but, but this is all rumour. Right. No one knows what's going on. Right. But I am paying attention to it, and I and particularly to the ADT and see what the changes are. If the big company does take out the smaller companies, that may have an impact on ADT. And because you've I, got one less shareholder, shareholder. two less shareholders, one or two less shareholders. Yeah. yeah. But also too, if it gets to the stage where um, a shareholder has ninety percent, then we you. you they can compulsorily acquire your shares. And force you to pay the 20% discount? Yep. Buy them at the price? Yep. And I think they, I don't know what the law is, but they can often take months and months and months to pay you. Right. So I'd rather sell out in advance of that. And I think other people will know that. And so you might see the, if this is what they think is going to happen, if they think that someone's creeping up to take over by taking out the other two small shareholders and then, lo- uh, then launching a low ball bid, they may just get out. Well, the share price does seem to have come back a little bit this week from $6.18 on the 25th. It's now at $6.06. Yeah, but the market hasn't been that strong this week, so yeah. it's not a huge I mean, yeah. on the 23rd, it was $5.92, so yeah, it's, right. it's yeah. higher than it started the week. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the market hasn't reacted negatively to it Well, it can't because it's in a trading hole. Oh, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, apart from that. <laughs> and it, it's going to come out of a trading hole uh, on the earliest if, if there's news of this offer or May 30th. So we could be waiting for a few more days. When's that, Monday? 
Uh, what's today? 27th? Yeah, Monday. 8, 9.30, yeah. We may know on Monday. All right. Murph died. Yeah. <laughs> what is it with these super investors who live until they're... 96 or... It's the Berkshire uh, (laughs) Seize Candy, living on a dollar, Seize Candy. (laughs) So for people who don't know, uh, explain, we've talked about him several times over the years, but who was Thomas S. Murphy? Yeah, so uh, they want to read a book called The Outsiders, which is really good, and it talks about people who've who've been great investors but don't have a high profile. And so Murphy uh, started off in a small television station and eventually kept buying them and reinvesting um, the cash flow into new ones and had a rule of doing it on a price to operating cash flow of six or less. And, you know, uh, morphed, morphed, morphed the whole thing (laughs) into the ABC network in America. And Buffett was a big fan. Buffett was a big fan and bought in and then often says things like, I learned everything I knew in business from two people, one of which is Merv. So he... um his company, Capital Cities Communications, became ABC and then sold it to Disney. Right. And for a gajillion dollars, $19 billion, he sold it to Disney. Yeah, so all that from one TV station. He acquired ABC in 1985 for $3.5 billion and then sold it to Disney for $19 billion. Capital City stock increased in value 2,000 times between 1957 when the company first sold stock to the public and 1995 when Disney bought it. Not bad. <laughs> and and the disciplined focus on what to buy. Yeah. You know, it's got Con- a circle of competence. Yeah. Lots of TV lots stations. Of yeah, that's right. He knew TV stations. He knew lots of um, cash could be thrown off by them, but he wasn't going to overpay for them. And, of course, the... Um, um, price to operating cash flow metric is now the core of QAV. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a heavy lifter. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Which you learned from Buffett. Buffett learned from Murph, and Murph just died. Ninety six. Ninety six. Incredible. I think actually, I think Berkshire Hathaway may actually have been a Disney shareholder. So I wonder if he actually put together the deal. Right. There's that great scene in the last. I think it's the last series of Entourage. Yeah. Where Ari Gold's running the, the studio and he's always running around like a headless truck by the side of the Yeah, yeah. And Warren Buffett drives past in the golf cart and goes, fix it, Ari. <laughs> oh, I didn't stick with the show that long. That's good. Yeah. Did Ari say, let's hug it out, bitch? Did no, Buffett? he was like... <laughs> <laughs> Buffett cameoed on Entourage? Yeah. Gotta love that. Yeah. Um, I like this in the New York Times obit for Murph. It says, he met Mr. Buffett in the early 1970s and Mr. Buffett bought 3% of Capital Cities. After the price went up, Mr. Buffett sold the stock, that way missing the huge increases in share prices to come. Temporary insanity, Mr. Buffett later said of his decision to sell. (laughs) So, you know, uh, somebody uh, on the Zoom call last night, I think it was Liz, was asking about GRR. And she's like, it's gone up so much. When has it gone up too much? When do we sell? When has it gone up too high to buy in? That's, I'll just say, is, you know... I'll quote Buffett from now on. Temporary insanity. <laughs> Temporary insanity, yeah. Yeah, why do you want to bench Michael Jordan? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, GRR is on a 
crazy run. What's happened? Though? Like I bought it and it had the rule won it and lost about twelve percent. <laughs> somebody, somebody emailed me or some DM me and said I feel sorry for Tony. Yeah, one temporary insanity. <laughs> it went up. It's up thirty percent this oh. month. It's up a hundred and twenty percent since we added it to one of the portfolios a couple of months ago. So that we should add that to the checklist. If Tony rule wants it, <laughs> gets ten points and we buy it. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot of people who don't like rule one. Yeah, because they go well. You know, it might go back up. And then yeah, right, they're right in this case. Yeah. But let me talk about New Farm, which I also <laughs> saw of in Rule 1. Yes, for every, yeah. for every GRR, there's an NUF. Correct, right? yeah. Um, well, we'll get to NUF in a minute. I just wanted to uh, mention Howard Marks's latest memo, which I started to read this morning before I came over. I got to this bit. He says, he's talking about investor psychology. When investors turn highly bullish, they tend to conclude that A, everything's going to go up forever, and B, regardless of what they pay for an asset, someone else will come along to buy it from them for more. The greater fool theory, he has in brackets. Because of the high level of optimism, stock prices rise faster than company profits, soaring well above fair value, excess to the upside. Eventually, conditions in the investment environment disappoint and or the folly of the elevated prices becomes clear and they fall back toward fair value, in brackets, correction, and then through it, the price declines generate further pessimism, and this process eventually causes prices to far understate the value of the stocks, excess to the downside. Resultant buying on the part of bargain hunters causes the depressed prices to recover toward fair value. Correction. The excess to the upside makes for a period of above average returns and the swing towards excess on the downside makes for a period of below average returns. There can be many other factors at work, of course, but in my view, excesses and corrections covers most of the ground. We saw a number of excesses to the upside in 2020 and 2021, and now we're seeing corrections thereof. I thought that was nicely put. Particularly in the US. I mean, that's had big swings in the share market, yeah. Yeah. We haven't been as volatile here. But we saw the afterpays and the BNPLs oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all of that, the Bitcoins and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. All of the tech stocks went through that sort of excessive optimism and you were, you know, calling bullshit on the whole thing, throughout the whole thing. Well, he makes a good point. There's two, there's two fundamentals at work in the market. There's the underlying company, and that's why Buffett's always said you're not, not buying chips in the casino, you're buying. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV Club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc., uh, sign up for the two-week free trial and check it all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style, but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, 
we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Um, check that out too. Um, it's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But, uh, you know, while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. Um, that's it. Um, if you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Thank you.